Hello and God bless y'all. You are now tuned in to the Book of Ran. You're listening to a recording of Only a Servant. Let's go. I'll never forget, in the earlier years of our marriage, when my wife first revealed that she felt this calling in her heart to homeschool our kids one day. This was over a decade ago, before we even had a family of our own, and we were just a young couple struggling to figure out our path. We're renting a single-bedroom apartment on the west side of Chula Vista, in this small complex called South Bay Manor. But unlike those nicer, modern subdivision communities out there on the east side of the 805, our neighborhood here is home to a lesser affluent population. We'll just call it as it is. I work for the South Bay Family YMCA at a before and after school program helping young students with their literacy skills. I've been here for several years now. Like most jobs in education, it's a rewarding position because I get to help families in our area. But I'll also admit that the take-home pay is pretty humbling. I make about $10 an hour. Chris has a way more lucrative career. She's at work right now as I write this. She's a senior paralegal for a law firm located in one of those fancy tall buildings with glass mirror windows up there in Mission Valley. She gets to dress nicely for work, more on the business side, and deals with rich people all day. I've never seen their office space, so I could only imagine that from their floor, they must be privy to corporate luxuries like catered meals, fresh coffee, and breathtaking views of San Diego freeways and sunsets combined. That's just a guess. As of right now, we only have one car to our name, which she obviously gets to use for her commute to work since it's further from our place. I, on the other hand, use a bicycle to get to work. This bike was actually given to me by my boss, Edgar, who helped me fix it up because he knew our situation was tight. And even though it's a little inconvenient and embarrassing to show up to the school all sweaty sometimes, the ride home is usually nice, unless it rains. I can't tell you the exact number, but we pay around $1,000 a month, not including utilities and other living expenses, to live here at South Bay Manor. I know it sounds affordable. Still, though, we barely make it, and our friends don't know it, but we honestly struggle living check to check. As a husband, it is demoralizing. It's tough to keep my head up knowing that I can't afford to start a family. On top of that, we never get promoted at the Y since there aren't enough positions to grow into. On this particular night, it's nice outside and we're enjoying the cool breeze on the balcony of our place, pondering the future like young couples often do. We just finished eating dinner. The topic of family comes up. I'm thrown off guard when she turns to me and says, When we do have kids one day, I'm going to be a stay-at-home mom. I pause for a moment. Personally, I've never even heard the term stay-at-home mom, so I'll be honest, it's taking me a while to fully register and understand what she's saying. Wait, what do you mean? I respond, looking for clarity and sort of feeling offended. I'm trying to think if I even know anyone that's a stay-at-home mom, but no one comes to mind. I've been thinking about it a lot lately, she goes. And one day when we have babies, I want to be there for them. I actually want to homeschool our children, she says. Wow. Truthfully, I don't even know what to say. I'm thinking of how modest my current salary is, and I'm panicking as I start to consider all of our expenses. How do I even afford a kid at $10 an hour? 
I'm looking at how small our place is, how little we can afford, and how disillusioned we were just to be even having this conversation right now. For her to be a stay-at-home mom would mean that somehow, in some miraculous way, I'll be able to support this dream financially. Seeing that we were both realizing the situation was hopeless, we ended our conversation. It's fine, she says. We don't have to talk about it right now. We go back inside the house. As we clean up the kitchen, I have a tremendous amount of anxiety now that I know what she wants. Tonight, I'll go to sleep having fears of our future, knowing that I'll never be able to provide enough to support my wife's dreams of a family. It wasn't too long after that night that we'd find out that our hopes would soon become a reality. By that time, we had been trying for over a year, and we were starting to believe that for some reason, we just weren't going to be able to have children. However, on one sunny December afternoon, in that small, scrappy apartment that we called home, Chris learned that our prayers were answered. We were expecting our first child. So, without having the slightest idea of how to be a father, and with the smallest collective income out of everyone we knew, our family journey had begun. Once the baby got close enough, Chris ended up leaving her position at that law office, especially because we felt the stress might have not been good for the pregnancy. It goes without saying that not much changed in terms of our financial situation. Sure, we might have received a small increase per hour from my role at the Y, but we definitely made more in health benefits than we did in take-home pay. In fact, because we made so little, we ended up letting our lease expire. And since we couldn't afford a place of our own, we had to live with family. At first, we lived in a small extension on the side of my aunt's house out in National City. I remember carrying our baby by the front room window where we didn't even have a view. Because we stayed in that extension at the back of the house, when we looked out the window, we saw the neighbor's backyard, which they had used for storage for all sorts of random things. I remember praying with him in my arms that God show us the path to something a bit more promising and suitable if we were worthy of such a thing. Lord, please show us the way. I used to pray every time I carried our son that our circumstance would change and he wouldn't have to remember that tiny studio where we first raised him as a baby. To help support our growing family, we actually had to enroll in a government assistance program that allowed us to supplement the small income we had. I'll never forget how humbling it was to place our baby up on their scales just for them to monitor his weight every few weeks and give us a food check in return. Then, nearly two years later, we'd find out that we had another child on the way. I remember feeling so convinced that we'd live in the ghetto forever, especially since our finances hadn't changed at all. The only difference was that this time, we'd move into her aunt's house down south, where there was an empty room that we could use, thank God. At least by living there, I'd be closer to work, which meant we'd use less gas and possibly save a little. The only other difference was that with this second baby in our lives, we made the decision to remove ourselves from that government assistance program. For a family that had dreams of supporting a stay-at-home mom situation, we sure were going the opposite way. After the birth of our second son, the Lord put us on a path that would involve a series of miracles and changes that we would have never imagined for ourselves. Part of our new family calling took me back to school to pursue a whole new career, 
One thing led to another, and next thing you knew, we found ourselves moving out of San Diego altogether. As destiny would have it, with nothing but the prayers in our hearts, two young boys in our arms, and some luggage, we left our hometown and found ourselves relocating to Austin, Texas. There, we were blessed with the space and opportunity to build a simple family life. Over the course of seven years in Austin, it was God who enabled us and allowed for the stay-at-home and homeschooling situation that I thought, all along, was impossible. As I reflect back on our journey as a couple so far, I wish I could tell you that there's a playbook or formula or set of steps that you could follow to live out your dreams. I wish I could say that if you attend university, sacrifice sleep, find a job, or put in the hours, that you'll find success and you'll happily be able to afford everything you want. But after turning my life over to Christ, I just can't. Nowadays, the only confidence I have is in knowing that I am a beloved child of the Lord. I also know that my soul yearns to understand and make way for his will before my own. I used to think that as a father, my primary responsibility was to provide for my family. But in this very moment, I know for a fact that only God provides, not me. These days, I see things through a different lens. I don't even allow myself to wear the label of provider, knowing that I'm not the one that got us here. When I relive those moments along this journey, those times when our minds were full of doubt and anxiety, I realized that God had his hand in our situation the entire time along the way. Not only did we pray for children to raise, but we prayed for a certain family lifestyle and living situation. And in his providence, God answered those prayers. I believe that working at a job for some company is just a very small part of my purpose here and that the complete role involves enabling Chris and our boys to walk on the path of salvation first and foremost. And whatever I have to do to support their spiritual journey is my true calling. Today I feel overwhelmingly blessed with this marriage and our children. I pray that from here on out, God use me as an instrument of compassion and charity. I pray that my focus going forward is centered around the faith of our family and that I can somehow have the slightest influence on the spiritual direction of the people that he's entrusted me with. And on this morning, I thank you, Lord, for this full and complete life that you allow me to wake up to, this life that you provide, and this life where I'm more than happy to be only a servant. God bless y'all, and happy reading. Rand.